Hi guys, welcome back to the show. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you for tuning in to another installment of the self-love monologues. I appreciate you. As I always say, I know that your time is valuable, but you made a conscious choice to join the community today. And for that, I love you. This episode is going to be so funny. It's also going to be an eye-opener for some, while also serving as a point of resonance for other people. The guest is my bestie, my best friend, Kemi. (laughs) Oh, man. I am so appreciative of my friendship with Kemi because I needed someone in my life who understood the kind of struggles that I was having as an African gay black man, and he is exactly that person. So without further ado, let's just go right into it. Let's do the thing. Let's have a kiki today. Hold on. Hold on. Let's get this recording going. Uh, there we go. There we go. All right, Kemi. What's up? Hello. Oh, bitch. Hello, sister. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. But girl, um, introduce yourself. I, I mean, you're my best friend. Guys, we're talking, our guest this week is my best friend, one of the most important people in my life, um, Oluwa Kemi. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, he's important to me because he is also um, uh, a gay man of African descent. Uh, so he understands my experience. He sees things the same way that I do. Um, he he also has big ambitions, just like I do, and he also values himself and takes care of himself, and that has kind of helped us grow um, a powerful friendship, which does come with its drama, but that's like any other friendship, right? But he's a very special person to me, and I'll just let him introduce himself. So go ahead, Kemi. <laughs> yes, well, uh, thank you for such a well-put-together introduction. Um, <laughs> as you said, um, no, my name is Oluwa Kemi Apanishile. Um, born and raised in Toronto, but uh, my heritage, my ethnicity um, stems around or come, is centered around Nigeria. Um, met Nigel actually in Calgary, and our 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 meeting was such an interesting. Um, <laughs> that, you know what? I'm going to hold off on that because I'll let him explain it. Um, I'll just explain a little bit more about my background. So, yeah, I am, as Nigel mentioned, I am a uh, Nigerian, excuse me, Nigerian-Canadian that represents or identifies as being part of the LGBTQ community. Um, And, of course, with that comes with the struggles. But uh, over time, you learn to grow and become a stronger person, uh, even with all the... uh, you know, obstacles that society uh, throws at you. Um, background, urban planner. Um, you know, I, I went to Ryerson University. So anyone that lives in Toronto knows where yeah. that is. Uh, yeah, yeah, right high. And, uh, you know, after graduating, <laughs> you're smiling, but I love it. After graduating, I decided to move out west um, where I probably grew the most. Um, I felt as though prior to graduating uh, i was sort of living in the shadows of my upbringings which was a very conservative socially conservative um household which you know there's nothing wrong with that but you know in order to really identify who i was as a human 
I needed to have that physical separation. So I, I would say some of my biggest growth personally was when I took that leap of faith of moving out west to the wilderness of Alberta, as they may call it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, through that journey, I was able to meet my best friend, um, Nigel. So, um, yeah, that's where we are right now. I moved back east and here we are. We're both in the same city. It was like I know. Stuff, right. Isn't I that know, how I weird know, how the place works that way? I know, I know, I love it, I love it, I love it. But I, by the way, thank you for already kind of opening up the, you know, a few, a few chapters touching upon the conservative background and everything. I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later on. But the reason why that I was smiling when you were talking about Ryerson is because I just remembered how you uh, told me that you worked so hard when you were at Ryerson, you held down so many jobs to to put yourself through school. So I was just smiling because there was just a sense of pride that I could see in you as you were saying that. And mm-hmm. so it kind of like triggered that memory. I mean, I wasn't there when it happened, but I just envisioned you working your ass off to get to where you are. So it was just a nice thing. That's why I was smiling. Uh, to, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. No, you just you're just um, bringing up to the surface a lot of memories of. I remember yeah. um, going from you know a mid like a late class and then taking the subway to Scarborough. <laughs> Um, to do a shift at McDonald's as a swing yeah. manager and then taking the go train or, you know, begging my brother to pick me up to head out to Ajax. So, yeah. um, you know, it was a lot of hard work, but it paid off. And I knew I had a place that I wanted to go to. I knew I had goals that I wanted to see be fulfilled. So I had that drive um, to to work extra hard to ensure that I was able to fulfill them. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So I just wanted to do something different today. I actually, I hope you indulge me on this. Um, I want to start with some visualization, actually. So just, you know, follow me through, just, you know, walk with this me. So close, yeah, visual, so close your eyes for me. Um, I want you to picture yourself decorating your Christmas tree with your child. Maybe it's a daughter, maybe it's a son, people choose whatever it is. Uh, both of you are wearing your little onesies, and you've got the Mariah Carey Christmas album on lockdown, honey. Mm. Obviously, you're letting her sing <laughs> the song. <laughs> you were going to do that today, hey? I've been thinking, don't come for the queen, huh? Remember, A always comes first in the alphabet. Don't Close do that. Eyes, bitch. Don't Just do get that. Back to the, go back to the vision. Vision of love. She's got a title, song title like that. It just works out. So go back to the vision. Okay. There you are, decorating your Christmas tree, and your child suddenly lets out the loudest laugh you have ever had. Um, I mean, he, he or she has ever had, sorry. And uh, you suddenly realize in that moment that this is everything that you've always wanted. The, the life that you've always wanted created is here, right here, within, within the grasp, like in your hands. And at that moment, a man walks in to join you guys. Obviously, he's wearing gray sweatpants. <laughs> but he walks in. He walks in. And I want you to tell me something about this man and be honest with me, Kemi. Okay. Is he white? <laughs> <laughs> We're going there. <laughs> be honest. It, be honest with me. Right now, at this stage in my life, yes, he's white. He's a white man. This is the man that you're seeing in your vision. Okay, so come back to come back to now. 
you, we can we can chat now. So I just wanted to start there, but because I was trying to find ways to answer to ask this question that isn't so intrusive. That's why I did it this way, so mm-hmm. that it's coming from your own space. Like you're the one who conjured the vision up in your head. So tell me more about that. Why is this man white? Not not that there's anything wrong with that. By the way, mm-hmm. I want to make sure I put that out there. It's not accusatory. I'm just curious. Tell me why when you see that picture, he's a white man. Well, first and foremost, let me just say this. That is, yes, my default vision, if I can be completely honest with you. That's the default um, vision that comes to mind when you ask that question. Um, Why is he going to be white right now? I think with me, it really stems from my past experiences. And um, that's not to say that in the past, I've never dated anyone, you know, outside, and it's anyone within my race or another race. Um, I just think based off my past experience, I've had the most um, connection. And I know that sounds strange because you would think um, you would have more connections with people within your own race. But uh, with me, I think I've had the most connections, um, at least on an intimate level, with people of... um, Caucasian descent. That's not to say I wouldn't find someone with a black man or a Indian or a Asian. Um, I just haven't experienced that yet. I think the deepest level of intimacy I've ever had, and that doesn't have to be sexual, but just on emotionally, spiritually, has been with with a white man. And so that's where that that uh, perception comes from. Is there a part of you that feeds into what I like to call the white savior syndrome, the idea that you have to be rescued by a wealthy white man? I, I think that's something that's prevalent, not necessarily within the gay black community, but also some black women as well. Um, I mean, obviously, this is a huge generalization because everyone has different tastes. But what do you feel that a part of you, if you were to be just honest, like just put it all out there, is this part no. of you that thinks that? Actually, no. No, it comes from my experiences. If I can be completely, look, we live in Canada, okay? Um, to all my American viewers or your viewers, excuse me, there's not much of us out here. Um, <laughs> despite popular belief, there's not. And so um, let me draw, let me dial it back. When I moved out of Toronto, per se, and you know, pursued my career out West, where I met you, um, there wasn't a lot of selection, first of all, of people, of our people, first and foremost. So I was put in an environment where there was, wasn't many of us available to begin with. And so I started looking outside of my race. And through that, you know, I realized that I was missing on so many opportunities because I was so pigeonholed to just de- dating within my race. So if I can dial back in my early 20s, all I dated was black. That was it. Um, didn't look at any other race, didn't look at any other ethnicity. It was just black. And by doing that, I realized that I was limiting my opportunities, limiting my possibilities of being, you know, the man of my dreams. It was one it wasn't until I moved out west and I realized that, you know, interacting with other races, there are great opportunities out there. Um but to answer your questions, I've always been independent, right? You talked about my upbringings. And so when it comes to dating, do I look at a white person and say they're going to save me? No, because I've always gone into a relationship. I would say 80% of the time. There's been that 20% where um, 
there's been that 20% where, you know, I, you want to feel flattered. You want to, you want to feel spoiled. And, um, I think mm-hmm. Lil' Kim has a, uh, Lil' Kim has a, uh, a really, a quote, why spend mine when I, when I can spend yours, right? So, you know, <laughs> in my, in my upbringings, I know I just quoted Lil' Kim. I can't believe that. Um, Shut you know. Up. <laughs> I love her. So, so there were times where that that quote, you know, manifested itself in my dating selection. But you know, if we're talking about um, in more recent uh, years, and for the majority of my adulthood, uh, I've never gone into a relationship with that perspective, where someone's going to save me. Because at the end of the day, I've always been independent. You know, whether it was living in Grand Prairie. Peace River or Calgary, I've always done everything on my own. And that that's something that I want to have to myself and keep secret to myself, knowing that, you know, if I get to a certain goal, that it wasn't because someone assisted me in doing that, but it was because Kemi did it. Okay. Because I recall, I mean, we, we were having, we always talk about men every single time. Mm-hmm. And I think in one of our conversations, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you, not only did you also discuss the idea that uh, there's not a lot of openly gay black men of any ethnicity. It's that's a very oh, rare wow. thing. Um, yeah. But that, but that it, you didn't just say that, but you also said that it's also hard to find. I forget what phrase you used, but like established, career-driven black men or something like that. I think you said that. I think you said that, uh, and then you yeah. said that's why you gravitate towards uh, white men. That was for that from reason past well. experiences. Yeah, unfortunately, okay. that was from past experiences, and I know it's out there. I see it all the time. Through not that I should be using social media as a platform to to evaluate what standards. Yeah, reality. Not at all. Let me just put that out there. But I know it's out there. It's just that what I've interacted with and what I've seen. Um, my experiences have been either a they are in the closet as they say or 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 not openly uh or true to their lifestyle um or they're not as career oriented or you know they're not as they don't have any aspirations and for me what where i am in my life i need to know that i'm with someone that's assertive they know what they want they have a vision on how they see their future looking or manifesting and if you don't have those basic qualities then to me that's going to be problematic um now that's not to say that i wouldn't date within my race absolutely if i to be quite frank with you there's a lot of benefits as we all know to date within your race you know you don't have to deal with all the social nuances that comes with dating outside your race you share similar experiences that you can relate to so let me just say that that I am completely open to dating within my race. I'm just saying that from my experiences, it has sort of shaped my current preferences um, and my past experiences with people of color, particularly black men, has been the challenge of are you goal oriented? Are you open? Because those are issues that I have worked so hard to overcome that I would need someone to be at that same level if I'm going to go into a serious relationship with you. And a lot of the times, those are <clears throat> issues you have to face with, at least in Toronto, I find. Mm-hmm. Not to say that's probably, not to put a blank statement on all men in Toronto, but for the most that I've encountered with. Yeah, um, my, like... How have you experienced yes. that? I mean, what's your... 
Well, it's 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 a bit different from yours, right? Because yours is centered around the idea, like I said, two two aspects. Um, there's not a lot of uh, gaming that are out that are black, and then um, at the same time, you're looking for a certain ambitious type. And in your own experience, you're not generalizing, but your own experience, you've found it hard to find that within black men, which is fair. Mm-hmm. For me, it's actually much more deeper than that in the sense that I grew up in a country um, where. Um, like any colonized African country, whiteness was equated with sophistication and a high level of being. Mm-hmm. That's what it always was as we were growing up. If you were lighter, you're supposed to be better, right? So that's kind of like the culture that I grew up in, that colorist culture. So it be, like I grew up to believe that it was like an ambition or aspiration to be with somebody who's white. And whenever I would see somebody who was dating someone who was white, I thought that was supposed to be better. That's what mm-hmm. I grew up like, you know, seeing. So I guess I, I've carried that with me um, up into my adulthood, and it has affected my dating choices, right? Like I haven't been with a lot of, uh, of black men in my dating. I've dated mostly like white men. And now I'm not afraid to admit that it's because of that reason. And I'm struggling really hard to start walking away from that, that, that feeling that I should be with somebody white because it's supposed to be better. Because it looks good, as you said, on Instagram or whatever, you know, the interracial cute gay couple or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I stand with that. <clears throat> and um, it's hard. It's hard because I think it's actually putting me in a corner where I'm lim- limiting my choices, my dating choices. But, hey, one day at a time, right? Like you, I don't know, I'll Are figure it out somehow. Limited? I mean, I mean, no, well, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> Are you shading me? I'm just saying, but okay. Are you, <laughs> are you shading me? Are you talking like wait, no, I'm not I'm talking about dating, not being a hoe. That's different. <laughs> I didn't say that, but you said it. <laughs> I'm not a hoe, okay? I'm a Gemini. Our bodies are meant to explore. <laughs> Love the words. You're such a wordsmith. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, bitch. But let's pivot back to the whole relationship thing and actually mm-hmm. dissect this gay, uh, da- the gay dating scene, which is such a huge, huge, huge frustration for the both of us. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me the, the, the things that are angering you, because right now you're in, right, you're out there right now. You put yourself out there. You're talking to some people. Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's pissing you off? Tell me, like, what's Honestly, the tea? it's <laughs> it's so funny you ask that question. Honestly, right now, um, the biggest frustration is just finding people that genuinely want to get to know. I know this sounds cliche, but I think the community is too overly sexualized. Um, And I think with the merging of these apps, you know, these all these social media apps where you it's almost like a grocery. You know, if you want this type, you want an orange, you can get an orange. You want a pair, you can get a pair. It's all to your, you know, it's easily there for you to choose. I think with that sense of of a platform available, it has created a behavior within our community where no one really wants to get to know anyone. No one generally wants to get to know anyone. And so I'm experiencing that frustration. Um, You know, I'm on all the apps, all of them, all of them. Um, and I make it very clear what I'm looking for. I try to be as clear as possible. But even by being clear, you'll still get, you know, the comments, um, the explicit comments. And, and that's frustrating. And 
to some to some it to some extent it's also jaded. It's very, you become very jaded, excuse me, um, to the point where you just don't even want to engage. And I've gone through cycles like that where I totally disconnect from the apps or from dating and to take me breaks. I call them. Uh, the most recent one was actually a year and a half. I took a year and a half off um, from dating just because I was so tired of the toxic toxicity that that it was um, bringing to my spirit. Um, and so I realized that I needed to take a break from that. And now, you know, June or now actually August is when I started to date again and starting to see those same issues arise. So, you know, there's hope. It's just um, I'm realizing that that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of issues within our within our community that we need to deal with. And it's, it's frustrating. Um, being black, especially, you get sexually objectified a lot. Mm -hmm. um, that's frustrating <laughs> in its own self. Mm -hmm. um, people have stereotypes of you, or who you mm -hmm. are, or what you mm -hmm. should be. You become pigeonholed into a conversation that you don't want to engage in. That's frustrating. So um, it's not all doom and gloom. It's just, I think, with one, you need to be very conscious and aware of what you're getting yourself into when you go into the dating world right now. Because most people are wolves dressed as sheep. And they don't really do you get, what they're doing. Really, sorry? Do you, do you get lonely, romantically speaking, if you would be honest? Do you have moments yeah. where you feel, like, really Absolutely. lonely? Tell me about that. How does that feel? Well, you see, it's, it's just... Honestly, if you want to go really deep about it, you feel as though you're stuck in some time warp where you feel like your life is not progressing. You see everyone else progressing um, on a social platform or on a social aspect, and you see your life just, you know, every Christmas, every holiday, you feel emotionally alone. I feel as though I find myself a lot of times um, just being the lone star, as they call it, you know, the lone star, the one that's going to single events, the one that is always in these awkward moments, going to birthday parties, going to engagements. And, you know, you look at other couples and people say, yeah, I'm going to be independent. I'm going to be dependent. I don't need a person. I don't need a partner. That's all great. You can be a strong person, but it is great to have a partner with you. You know, it's great to have a vision that you want to grow old with someone. It's great to know you want to have someone, a companion, someone that you can tell your deepest, most vulnerable um, thoughts with and to not have that or to not share that with, you know, what is supposed to be your your best friend. I know you're my best friend, but you get what I mean, right? Um, that's a little disheartening. It's a little disheartening. It hurts, doesn't it? Um, especially for somebody like you who is so intentional about how they want their life. You you want children. Um, you you yeah. said that and said that. And you're ready to start having those conversations with somebody and say, okay, baby, like, what are we going to put down for uh, more, you know, how we're going to pay for college, you know, shit that you want that, you want that that's for your life. Thing. That's mm -hmm. such a, you know what, that's such a, I'm glad you brought that up because I find a lot of times when you, if you are able to get to the point where you meet someone that's you're compatible with, that is always, at least for me, I can't speak for um, you or anyone else. For me, knowing that I want kids, that always becomes an issue because I find with most people I encounter, for some reason, having kids seems or is viewed as a burden. Um, and it isn't for me. I've always wanted kids. I love kids. I play with my nephews. 
my nephew and my another niece. My brother had twins. Yay. So I, I love that experience. I love seeing young toddlers and babies see them and witness them grow into adulthood and become active members of you know society that's an amazing experience and to contribute to that i love it and so um to to meet someone that doesn't want that or doesn't um value that experience you know that's a non-negotiable for me mm-hmm. and it, it sucks yeah i'll just say it's as simple as that is it sucks and that you know that's another filter that you have to to, to, to layer on as you as you date is you know the pressures of having kids or wanting to be a parent a lot I of people say think that it's going to burden their lifestyle which i find really really <laughs> selfish burden the no, life don't come don't come for me how many trips don't do you want to go me. on <laughs> how many trips do you want to go on on a beach i mean i get it if you if you want that life have it bring your child with you bring the nanny with you come on you can do yeah. that yeah yeah I will say though, and I, I'm just saying this objectively, also, and also as a best friend, that your children are going to be lucky because they're going to be standing on the shoulders of such a strong and powerful legacy. Um, you know, I'm lucky to be someone who's watching you build it. So that child, listen, I'm telling you, I'm going to be yelling, I'm going to be cussing your children out if they're out of line. Yeah, you're like, Absolutely, yeah. you'll be babysitting. <laughs> I'll, I'll be. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you the instructions. I'll write out. I'll write out the itinerary. I'll give you all the instructions on what Listen, and what not to do. If your daughter tries it, I will. I will cuss her out. I'll be like, "Listen, bitch, you know who your father is." No, I'm serious. Like, I'll be like, "Do you know what your father has gone through? Do you know whose shoulders you're standing on? You better sit down, other honey. Oh, you're gonna see the back of this hand. You know what? Okay. I'm actually. I, I'm. I'm. I. No, actually, you know what? I'm not gonna shade you because I actually agree with you. It takes a village to raise a child, and I'm old school, okay? If you're yeah. rude to your elders, you better believe you're going to get an ass whooping. Absolutely. You don't talk back. No. Can we talk real for a minute? Just, just a minute. You know, I, I just, I can't stand the state of some of these children these days, the way they talk to adults. I mean, I don't know how it was where, where you, when you were uh, being raised in Zimbabwe, but yeah. look, growing up in a Nigerian household, you, you dare not talk back to your to your parents that's not to say you weren't able to you know develop your own thoughts it's just you there were limits and today these kids have zero limits but i don't yeah well as you know as i told you i i've decided um children are not for me um (laughs) sorry not necessarily because of uh the the lifestyle thing but I feel like with, you know, my big career ambitions, I feel like if I were to bring tra- tag children along, it'll be taxing for them. And I also just really deep down realize that I actually don't want children. But at the same time, if I were to have children, I think um, I would I want, I want would bring that spirit of strict disciplinary, like, you know, that, that African spirit of like, bitch, get in line. I'll bring that spirit. I wouldn't necessarily cross the line and like, you know, because, you know, the ass of in African homes gets a little too much. Like I wouldn't, like I'll probably do, I'll probably go as far as like the look, you know, you know how like African mothers can give you the look and you can, you mm-hmm. sit down, you you sit down. They give you that look in the corner of the eye <laughs> and, then, and then you hush, you quiet down, you stop Ooh. talking. So, um, yeah, but anyways. Mama don't Kemi, play. Yes. So Kemi, how do you want to be loved by your future partner? 
if he is listening out there right now, mm. what does he need to know? How do you want to be loved? I want to be loved first for me. Um, a lot of times I feel like I'm competing with my body. Um, and this is not to sound by any stretch of the imagination egotistical or me having a big ego or whatever. You know, I did fitness training and I and fitness is a huge part of my um of my lifestyle. And I feel and I like to celebrate that. I, I, I do. I like to celebrate that. I sometimes I'll post pictures on Instagram, whatever. Make it what you want of it. I do. It is what it is. Um and I don't know, maybe I'm drawing the wrong attention, but I find that sometimes people don't see me beyond that. And um my future partner would have to be someone that generally sees me for who I am, generally is emotionally mature enough to understand where I'm coming from, where my past is and where my future is, um, or shares the same future with me, the same goals and the same visions. Um, someone that loves me unconditionally, someone that is um, a leader, assertive. Um, I want them to really complement my own personality um so in that being said they have to be passionate too because you know a girl likes to be <laughs> i don't I know can. how to say this a girl likes to be a bit you know pampered, you just so. sent an application form to all the tops in Toronto right now <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying you want the truth yeah. do you you got the checkbox. You want the truth. You, know? <laughs> you want the truth. I'm, look, I'm just saying this. I need, I need, I need a, an assertive. I, okay. I have, I have, I like, I love all types of everyone within our community. Transgendered, um, people that are, um, are, I guess, considered more of the feminine side, masculinity. But for me, at an intimate level, I need, I, 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 I'm drawn to masculinity, mm -hmm. if, if that makes sense. I really am drawn to masculinity, and uh, my future partner would certainly have to take on that role um, and love me in that manner. So that love that your partner is giving you doesn't have to kind of like measure up to the way you love yourself if that makes any sense hmm. that's very that's a very good question and the answer is yes mm. absolutely as much as i love myself my partner has to if my partner really knows who i am then he would know how much i love my, me so then he mm. would match that same type of love because if he doesn't, then then it's going to it's going to be shown. It's going to manifest itself through the relationship, right. and that's going to lead to cracks, and then cracks leads to bigger cracks, which become problematic. So, um, and I think that works both ways. So, just you know, I'm I'm also required to love my partner as much as he loves himself, in my opinion. If that makes what sense. That, it does. It does. Um, what does that self-love look like for you? Like, what is that? What's self-love for Kimmy? Self-love is taking care of yourself mentally, mm -hmm. spiritually, physically. Um, so my partner needs to share those same qualities, right? They need to, they need to demonstrate that they're actually taking care of themselves mentally, stably, physically, because um, that's what I do. And that's how I incorporate 
you know, self-care within myself, within my own lifestyle. So if that's not being demonstrated through my partner, then there's going to be a conflict um, there. What are you struggling with right now in terms of taking care of yourself? What area in your life are you like, you know, because we all, nobody's walking out. No, nobody has perfect aids when it comes to self-care. There's always going to be something that you're constantly working on to trying to improve. So if you mm. were to just be candid about that in your life right now, what is that area that needs to kind of grow? Um, for me, I would say right now work is certainly, and I think, I don't know if it's to do with COVID, there's, there seems to be, the lines used to be more defined between work life and your personal life but for some weird reason covid has certainly it is sort of it's sort of blurred or combined the two the two <clears throat> lifestyles together and in doing so it creates a lot of anxiety for me at least um just before this podcast i was checking my emails on my day off probably not the best um recommendation for someone trying to you know have me time or, or or be aware that they need to have some self-care time um and so for me that's probably the biggest challenge is just really understanding when i need to remove myself from work and having downtime because even with putting so much effort into my work it takes away from some of my other um initiatives or aspirations i have in life <clears throat> and goals which is which can become problematic so um, I always say if one thing consumes too much of your life, then that's a problem. You need to find a way to readjust that because then your life is unbalanced. What's the next small step that you're going to take to change that? You know what I think with me is 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 it's, for that for me it's, it's it's a behavioral change. So um, I need to be more conscious that I cannot be looking at my emails. And you know I used to be good at that. In fact, I that was never a problem with me pre-COVID, I think because I have access to my, I have a work laptop and now I'm, I'm more, I'm clo- I have closer access to work, my, my work accounts. It creates an environment where it's easily there. I can just check my email, but I still need to create that distinction because now my home has always been a place of refuge where, you know, it was a place where I can escape from the stresses of work. Now I'm bringing that stress into this place that's supposed to be my sanctuary. <laughs> and it's sort of it's sort of um smearing some of the great experiences I had in this house because it's being it's being replaced with the stresses of work, which is not healthy. So um the small steps is really just not checking my emails and creating defined spaces for me. Um, you know, watching my housewives <laughs> or yeah. you know, just um being in complete silence. I do that sometimes, or even taking a drive. I know this sounds weird, but I used to take drives, and I still do, mm-hmm. by myself in the car. No, that's therapeutic. I, that's really therapeutic. I love it. I love it. And I used to do it a lot. I did it before Drake's made it popular. I used to do it all the time, um, and I still do, where I'll just drive. I don't even care how much it costs, and I'll just drive until I'm tired, and I'll go back home, and it's great. I won't even have the radio on. I need to do more of that actually now that you talk about it. So that's a small step that I that I, I can probably take. 
that I will take actually now that I speak with it, now that you spoke about it. <laughs> That's what I was, that was my intention. I wanted to bring you to this space where you kind of come up with something to do other than yeah. worrying about your emails. I haven't done so, that in a while. <laughs> um, this, let's now circle back to the conservative background that you kind of painted a, a, a bit of a brief picture of in the beginning. You have a very unique coming out story that I feel like the listeners can benefit from. Share it. Yeah, um, that is very unique. Sorry for the moving. Um, so that, how do I even start? Um, me coming up was very difficult because I didn't really come out. It was sort of, it sort of became a question that was asked upon me. Um, I was dating someone. Set the uh, stage for your parents, though, like what they really do. I, I, I feel like you didn't really kind of dig into that, like what your father does, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so my, my, my father is a pastor. Um, he's a pastor. Um, so stemming back to growing up in a socially conservative household doesn't get any more conservative than that. <laughs> it really doesn't. Um, and an African household, too, right? So growing up... Um, you were exposed to, you know, the sermons and, you know, Solomon Gomara and, you know, Burn in the Lake of Fire and Grimstones. And um, I struggled a lot with the many, with a lot of gay men um, on their sexuality. And as mentioned, and, you know, that led into, you know, adolescence and adolescence into early adulthood. And again, like I told you, until I, it wasn't until I moved out uh, of my parents' house that I was able to really come into myself and sort of live outside their shadows, uh, so to speak. Um, that being said, there was a intermediate period where I moved back to Toronto for a couple of months. And that's when I came out. So I moved back to Toronto and I was living at my parents' house. And it was during that time I was dating my current uh, boyfriend at the time. And um, of course, I was DL, as they call it. Um, but we had went to... Um, we had went to the amusement park. And honestly, Nigel, I thought this was the most innocent picture. We were both in our little, you know, tank tops. It was hot, so of course. And we took a picture next to each other. And I innocently posted it on Facebook. Little did I know that would be the catalyst to <laughs> my parents tipping over the edge and having the courage to, uh, to ask me whether I was gay or not. Because a couple of weeks later, uh, I think it was actually around Mother's Day of 2013, I remember um, and it was like a random day. I was just, you know, maybe preparing lunch or something in the kitchen and no one else was home. And that's usually, I don't know how it is in your house growing up. Usually if you're by yourself with your parents, that's usually when they're going to get you on some serious you know, questions. Yeah. I used Especially to say, like, parents. I got to get out of here. Pardon me? <laughs> Especially black parents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I was when your dad said, oh, I want to talk to you. I'm like, damn, what is he going to talk to me about? <laughs> Lord, child, not today. <laughs> because let me stop there for a minute. Can I pause? Because prior to that, they already tried to hook me up or um, connect me with other people. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they try to connect me with someone in Michigan. And then, like, you're 25. You should connect. You should be married by now. I'm like, Mm-mm. I kept making excuses. I'm busy. So this was this time there was no escape. Yes. 
no seriously. Like, mm, no child, not today. I'm busy. That was your whole phase too, bitch. Like you were busy. I was on rotation. I was on head rotation. I don't got no time for that. I'm, I don't have time for no girl in Michigan. Okay. Mm-mm. No, no, ma'am. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm going to, you know, I was, I was, I was doing my own thing. So when my parents had an opportunity, this was the perfect opportunity for them to actually confront me because no one was home, no sister, no brother, none of them was home. It was just me and my two parents. So they said they want to sit me down. And I already knew what they're going to ask me. I already knew because I had already done everything else they had told me to do. Went to school, got a good job, established myself in a socially conservative household. What's the next step? You know, you're in your mid-20s. Get married and have kids, right? Full completion from that perspective. Full completion, right? So they sat me down. um, And yeah, I was you know, dating that guy at the time. And I thought we were in a very serious relationship. And in my head, I thought that was going to be my future husband. And so I was very committed to him, even though I was DL at the time or in the closet. Um, so my parents sat me down in the living room and it was so awkward, Nigel. You know, my mom sort of just, um, you can see it was she was struggling to bring the words out but uh she asked me you know do you do you like women and it was at that time as I sat there I said like this can go either two ways because I used to take drama I used to take acting I can make up some great lie and use my acting skills to justify you know I of course I like women I can you know it's just I've been busy or you know, I'm waiting for this. I could, you know, and continue this, 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 this double lifestyle. I could have done that, or I could have used this as an opportunity to liberate myself. And so I chose the latter. Um, it was difficult. It was scary, but the end result was so rewarding. Um, I'll spare you some of the details, but uh, of course they didn't. Um, it was shocking when, you know, those words came out that, no, I don't, I don't like females. And they asked me, and I'll ask me, well, do you like men? And I'm like, well, yes. And, you know, their, their initial reaction, of course, coming from the African household is, you know, there's a lot of taboos and superstitions and, you know, maybe someone put a demon on me or, you know, and so coming from that background, they started praying and whatnot and, you know, trying to find ways to um, to rectify or fix the issue, right? Um, and I knew that was coming, just knowing the background that I grew up in. Um, but you know, over the over the years, and you know, after that initial event, um, they sort of come to terms with it, and I'm and I'm so proud of my parents. Do I would I say they're completely supportive that's still up for debate but I remember there was I think it was two years ago I went to gay pride in Toronto and my mom I came back home and my mom asked me so um it was on a Sunday so did you go to that um 
that uh, that parade downtown, and I really knew what she was talking. There was only one parade, and I go, <laughs> I go, yes, yes, I did. Oh, okay. Did you have fun? I'm like, yes, I did. Okay. That to me was one of the biggest um, moments for me because I knew then that. You know, I have to put things into context. They came from a very structured, you know, background. And so I, I, I not that I want to give them slack, but I have to understand the context of where they're coming from, too. And so for my mom to say that, um, it was a huge accomplishment because I knew at that, at that moment that it's going to take time. And I realize it's going to take time, but they're seeing it and it's progressing. We're, 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 we're progressing and, and they're understanding. So, you know, the experience was, was, was scary, but it was well worth it. And, um, yeah. <laughs> oh. Wow. I like you've shared bits of that story that I like I knew most of it, but like there's little bits that you just revealed to me now that kind of yeah. were powerful to me, especially that exchange with your mother just asking what seems like a simple question, but kind of like it's an acknowledgement. She's saying, I see you. I may not be fully there yet, you know, like I'm doing my work to understand you, but I see you and I acknowledge you as my mm. son was, was mm-hmm. gay. Um, my father did that because he also had to go through a lot of work. He took it really roughly. He actually, you know, as I told you, ch- chased me out of the house. But I remember one time I went back home for, I think it was a Thanksgiving, and he kind of like, uh, he, he, he made like an announcement to everybody about who I was and that he, you know, he respected it. And like, I could still see, like, there's something in my spirit that saw that there's still, he's still processing it, but he's on his way. And mm-hmm. I want, like, I want, I, I'm so glad we have, we, we're having this conversation because I want um, African parents out there to be comfortable having these conversations with their children. Um, I want them to remember that being part of the LGBTQI plus community doesn't um, take away our humanity. We are still the same beautiful sons and daughters that they've raised and grown to love. We're still going to extend their legacy beyond their wildest dreams. Mm. Who we choose to love, yes, who we choose to love or who we're attracted to doesn't change that. Um, Can I just say something for a minute? Yeah. I think I think part of the reason is because there's a sense, obviously, there's a sense of ignorance that's that's yeah. behind that, and yeah. um, a lot of African culture is based around family units, yeah. right? And yeah. they feel that an alternative lifestyle goes against those cultural values, and so it, it they can't wrap their heads around that. And that's yeah. not always the case, right? That's not always the case. Even if it's just two people, that's still a family unit yeah right you know that's still a family unit so i think it's just yeah. it's just bringing awareness and understanding to african uh parents and understanding that we can still sustain you know cultural values and heritage it's just that we love different types of people and there's gonna be nothing wrong with that really you know you know that's true and i think also you know how with African cultures, they're very much so doused in religion. So I'm glad that there's a whole big movement happening right now with the Pope championing um, gay rights in that his own way. Step. In I his own that. way, right? Because the Roman mm-hmm. Catholic Church has such a huge cultural imprint on the entire fucking world, kind of like the Muslim religion and whatnot. So 
Uh, that's that's big. That's big. Are that's we gonna, gonna talk about that? No, no. Let's not open that. <laughs> about religion in Africa no, no, countries. No, 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 that's no, I think that's I think other, that was that's... I think that was an, in one of your other podcasts already. Yeah, we we we, <laughs> we, we, we dissected that, honey. But you guys did I a good job moving in the in the in the in the rights direction. Um, do you feel like do you feel your parents would be comfortable enough to come to your wedding? Hmm. I wrestle with that thought. I honestly do. And I'll say this. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I I will say this. I'm comfortable if they don't. It will be disappointing, but I'm I I've come to terms that if they don't, I'm I'm okay with that. I've I've am emotionally mature to to accept either outcome. It will hurt though. It will hurt because um, I've seen, you know, my two older siblings get married. I know my little sister will get married one day. And so you want that same recognition. Absolutely. You want that same recognition for yourself. Why not me? It's now my turn. This is the opportunity. And so I really wish I can give you a definitive answer as to whether they would come or not. Um, but I'm 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 completely content either way. But it would hurt absolutely because you know your parents are the people that raised you. You've known them the longest, you know, in most cases. Um, and so you want to share that moment, that very intimate, sentimental moment with them. Um, but I'm not going to let that rob me of my happiness either. Uh you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> I, if, if, if I'm happy, I'm happy, right? Like, I, I, especially I, if you win the lottery and get a rich man like you. Yeah, because then I'm gonna fly you out, and I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell my mate. No, 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 Nigel's coming. No alcohol, only green tea. Get him his green tea and herbs and get his Malcolm X, like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Play get him all of You tell the DJ you better put. Some India Ari in that playlist India real. to calm his ass because he gets a little <laughs> excited. Way, all that stuff. Down. You're Beyonce. Oh, I got your, I got your visiting room all set up. I know I'm you. Said you. I, I love that. That's why I love. That's why I love this friendship because we Get know each incense. other. We call each other out. Yeah. But okay, um, girl. So I'm gonna like lighten up, lighten it up a little bit. Tell me three to five gay celebs on your throw me against the wall list. <laughs> You were talking about a man to hold you and, 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 you know, be assertive. So who's on your list, bitch? Who do you want to destroy your your real estate today? You have to be gay? gay? Necessarily have to be gay. Actually, I should have just said male celebs. Yeah. Oh Oh my gosh. Who would it be? (laughs) Okay. Let's, let's see here. Mm. Number one. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Let me just think about this. Because I never really thought about that. Most of the people I see is on Instagram, child. Let me just be real honest. Instagram Most of the time are on Instagram. I don't really go on Instagram for that. They're like, okay. I'm like, mm-hmm. You can just, but um, if I had to choose one, 
Um, I used to have a crush on Will Smith. I really did. Yeah. You, you could get it. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. You know, Especially when he did that Muhammad Ali movie. When he did when the Muhammad Ali movie came out. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, like Jada. Right. <laughs> There's an entanglement and move over, Jada. <laughs> <laughs> Jada will fuck you up. She'll be like, you ain't, you ain't good. You don't know about this. She will fuck you up. You know who I like, too? Mm. Mm-hmm. Google him. I think it's called Alan Payne. Is it Alan Payne? Alan Payne. I think he was on the Cosby Show in the later years, and then he did a he did a movie with um with um with Will Smith's wife. I got her. Yeah, Alan Payne. Ooh, okay. I, yes. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm salivating right now. You know, this pandemic got me dry. The pandemic is not good for a Gemini, yes. okay? Like, it's not. That's a lot. That's, 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 oh, that's a lot God. of good. I'm telling you. Um, who else? You know what? I had a thing for... I'm, I'm going to... Can I... Can I he's, he's a bit older now, so I'm going to use the 1980 version of him. Um, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, I used to watch those videos from the 80s, like Bloodsport. Like, mm. <laughs> like, why couldn't I? <laughs> I can't. All right, and who else? Yeah, I don't know. I, I just like, you look, you know me. I, I'm, I'm, they, people think I come across as intimidating and you give me rest. You call me that I have resting bitching face, which is why I can't get no man. But... <laughs> So I've been working on it. I've been, I've really been working on constantly. When I'm out in the street, your little head is up there. Can me smile, smile. I so know. I smile. <laughs> I at know, the gym, like, even smile. at the gym, I try to smile because that you, your advice goes a long way. So I'm like, Nigel said I need to start smiling more. So I smile. So. <laughs> I can't. But, <laughs> but I do need um, someone that is um someone that can really be more dominant mm, in any in every bitch, way possible. I'm telling you, you I, I said it. You sent out an apple you know, a job ad, a LinkedIn <laughs> job ad for a man has been sent out. Because there's a lot, there's a lot today. here. There's a lot here, and I can have a mouth on me sometimes. I can, and you know, I don't mind. You know, I I don't mind someone that's assertive and you know wants to, you know, want to reassert their position. I'm like, okay, Shut right. you up. <laughs> so, Last note, Kemi. Um, I want you to finish this sentence for me. Um, I have come a long way, and I've worked hard, and I will never give up because. Finish that sentence for me. I'll never be give up because I deserve it. I deserve all the happiness. And there was a point in my life through the process of coming out and understanding. I would say this. My 20s or my whole phase, as you call it, um, they were dark because I, I started to devalue myself. But in maturing and understanding how much I'm worth, I deserve it. I know I deserve it. I know I deserve the happiness I see my peers have. I know I deserve that happy ending of, you know, you talked about me and my daughter or my son in our onesie and my husband refusing to wear his onesie because he's watching football and I'm making. 
<laughs> with the maid. I'm trying to learn how to bake with the maid as he watches football. So I deserve that happiness. However you define happiness, you deserve it. You, you, all your viewers, they deserve that happiness if you really value yourself. So that's that's my answer to that question. I know I deserve it. I worked hard for it. Well, thank you, Bestie. Thank you for doing this today. <laughs> thank you for listening to the episode. I hope that it made you laugh. I hope the lessons spoke to you. And I hope that it gave a voice to your shame. Because you don't have to be embarrassed if you're struggling with something. After all, your story is what it is. So just let it be and do what you need to do to rise. And if that means sitting down with that special person you call your best friend, do it. And don't forget to appreciate them. With love and resilience, Marula.